I believe as a founder, uh, when you want to develop something new, it's about constantly taking risks, massive risks. But how do you, let's say, gradually instill such a mindset of risk taking? And that is for me a very good, very recent example. What you do with an existing team, no real change, just by focusing on certain values and over communicating them. And the output of that exact same team, same, same team size, in my view, has at least doubled. Welcome to the Digital Transformer Podcast, your number one podcast on digital innovation, transformation, and venture building. We help entrepreneurs and corporate innovation leaders like you gain the knowledge and skills you need to build the leading digital businesses of your industry. Today, I talk to Marco Vitor, co-founder of the Hearing Aid Unicorn Audibene. Since launching Audibene in 2011, Marco has grown the company to become the world's largest online hearing aid seller with over 1,000 employees serving millions of customers around the globe and grossing over 100 million in revenue each year. We talk about the most important characteristics that every innovator has to have to be successful, how to systematically develop the confidence to take risks in team, as well as why it's so important to do so, and other crucial factors to winning the innovation marathon. So with no further ado, let me welcome Marco. Awesome to have you, Marco. You, you've accomplished what a lot of founders and a lot of corporate leaders dream about. Like you took Audibene to a unicorn status uh, that is valued. So Audibene is valued at over 1 billion euros. And it's an incredible success. And when we spoke earlier about what led to this success, uh, you pointed out one particular topic. So you told me that there is one characteristic that you deem very crucial when it comes to being successful in innovation, whether it's as a corporate, whether it's a founder. And you said that this one characteristic really helps to make progress and to, to achieve such outstanding success. And that one particular characteristic you said is confidence. Now, why is that? I mean, let's maybe start there. Why is confidence so important? Yeah, I think it's very important to be convinced about what you're doing. And it's also about being convinced that you're going to be successful in the end. Yeah? Because when you're starting a business, when you're very small, you are facing a lot of uncertainty. You're facing a lot of maybe also resistance from people telling you that you won't be successful or that they will make sure that you won't be successful uh, because they may be the incumbents, they influence regulation, they have big budgets, whatever, or just people being skeptical that something innovative won't work. And indeed, you're not sure. You don't know. Because in most cases, if you want to build a successful company, it has to have some real degree of innovation in its, in its business concept. And therefore, it's not proven that it works. So there's a lot of actual or at least perceived risk. And it is very important, in my, in my view, to be confident that you're going to succeed. Because otherwise, you will, you will hesitate. You will become very, very kind of inward-focused, you will question yourself, you will question your decisions. 
let's come to what I don't mean with being confident, but I think it's, it's a risk. It's, it's a problem. Yeah? It, it, it really is a, it's, it would be limiting your chance of success if you're hesitating too much, if you're uh, reflecting too much. So what I don't, do not mean is uh, that you should be arrogant, that you should not look at the market, that you should not get feedback, that you should not be adaptive in, in your approach. Yeah? You, it's, it's a constant iteration, you constantly learn. But it's not about questioning yourself or your model fundamentally. It's about uh, overcoming some resistance and being confident that in the end you will be successful. Right. So not that other people approach you like because ninety nine percent of people gotta tell you it doesn't work, it sucks, uh whether it's investors, whether it's even your peers. And over time, like A, when you start out, right, you have to have that confidence that hey, no matter what, like I believe in this idea and I have to somewhat push it forward. Like there's enough stories out there where people approached potential investors three, four times. And the fourth time they said, yes, okay. Right. And then the same in the corporate context. And then I think later on as well, and I think we're going to touch upon that also in this podcast on a later stage, it's also the team, right? If, if the team sees that you are hesitant, that you don't really have to convey this confidence that things will work out, these people will also start questioning it. And then you end up with an organization that is probably like very much inward focused, as you said, and is not fully, um, let's say, pursuing the actual tasks or the, the goals that they should be pursuing. Yes. And it is also very connected to the topic of risk taking. Uh, this, this confidence uh, goes, goes a lot together with how you take risk, how you perceive risk. And here, my very clear opinion is, is kind of similar. I believe as a founder, uh, when you want to develop something new, it's about constantly taking risks, massive risks, risks that you cannot fully control. And so therefore, it is super important to have for yourself a mentality that taking risks, that being in a risky kind of situation status is completely not only fine, but I would say even a prerequisite for later success. And it's, uh, you mentioned the topic of the team, super important to have that same mentality and kind of engraved in your team's brains as well, because it's not only you, it's, 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 it's the team who's in the end driving success or not. And also they must be super open to taking risk, to taking decisions that are risky and not trying to look for the optimal all risks are somehow covered solution. You don't have the time for that. It's maybe even impossible at all, given the innovation degree of what you're doing, where you cannot eliminate many of the risks. And I would be even, even more aggressive in saying the more risk you take, the more success you will have. I, I think that taking risks is rewarded, but that in, uh, in, in, in society in general, taking risks is considered or uh, being in a risky setup is considered something rather negative or uh, so it's, it's not connotated in a positive way. People try to evade risks and therefore I believe risks or taking risks 
pays off. Right. This is what what sets you apart in a way, and and also what you said earlier. I think that this this notion of you grow the most once you're outside of your comfort zone. I think that that's also somewhat related to this, right? Because if you constantly stay just like, okay, like, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to do anything. Like, yes, okay, you, you'll you maybe be comfortable, but you won't achieve yeah. that leap forward. Yeah. Are you enjoying this podcast so far? Then hit the subscribe button now to make sure you do not miss the next episode. Now back to the interview. Indeed, you have to push the boundaries. And it starts with your own boundaries, yeah? what you feel comfortable with. Yeah? It starts pushing the boundaries of, of the industry that you're in. It's all about uh, being innovative, at, at least for the most cases of, of, of startup companies, that they will not be a copycat of something that exists. They will, they will define new paths. And that's always connected to risk. That's connected to yeah? going beyond the known because it's a new path. Right. And let's let's maybe dive into that topic because you said it, it starts with yourself. So how do you as an individual or from, from your experience, what does it take to develop this risk taker mindset, this inner confidence that I personally will succeed and I know no matter what, what I have in mind, I'll eventually, if I might have to pivot, but eventually I'll be successful with that idea. I think it starts pretty early. I'm not sure whether you can learn that when you're, I don't know, 28 uh, and about to start your company now uh, to say, okay, now I'm going to be super risk loving and uh, fine with not knowing what the outcome will be. I think it starts way earlier. For me, a very important concept or notion is the topic of kind of self-efficiency experiences. You take a decision, you do something, and there is an outcome. In most cases, a positive outcome connected to your taking a decision. And I think some people develop that maybe in a stronger way than others earlier on, that kind of experience. Hey, if I take a decision, and it might be a risky decision, it pays off. And, and then you kind of get, get better in taking and assessing risk because I'm not talking about taking crazy risks. Yeah? You don't want to commit suicide. It's about taking controlled risks. And, and, to, and I think over time, you develop a certain feeling for what is what type of risk am I taking here? What type of risk am I dealing here with? Is it fundamental? Is it substantial? Or is it, is it kind of minor? And over time, you kind of develop a better judgment for risk. And, and then once you're in that role that you're starting a company, that pays, pays off. I think starting assessing risk at that point, when you have been risk avoiding all your life up to that date. It's going to be overwhelming. <laughs> probably is too late. Do you have like... I really like this notion of saying, hey, you, you ultimately take an experience and then that experience is somewhat going to form your belief patterns. So you realize, hey, if I take that risk, if I take a minor step, then I have the experience, hey, things work out, as you said, and that's going to slightly adjust ultimately the way I think about risk. And so over time, you have, let's say, a, a virtuous circle 
that really propels it forward. Do you have like a, 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 a concrete example out of your, your personal career where you said, hey, this was like for me, maybe a, an interesting moment where I realized how important risk-taking is? I mean, it is on all levels. Yeah. It is. It starts with how much buffer time you plan in your daily schedule. Uh, when I'm traveling, since day one here in our Audi Business Setup, people are amazed that I never built in, in my plans any buffers. So I always arrive at the airport in more or less the last minute. Um, I really schedule my, my daily plan very tightly. Yeah? So there is, there is no, I never waste half an hour just to be safe. Uh, I go there a little bit earlier. Yeah? No margin for error. <laughs> exactly. Yeah? And yes, once in a year, I miss a flight, but only once. Yeah? <laughs> and instead of for, I don't know how many flights I take a year, 30 or 40, whatever, instead of being 40 times half an hour or an hour early, well, yeah, that, that really sums up. And that's a minor detail. It is about legal topics. Every day you're facing decisions that have some legal component in it. And of course, you can hire a lawyer, either an external or when your company is growing an in-house counsel and always ask, how is the situation? Can you assess that? It makes you incredibly slow. Yeah, I'll get back to you in three weeks kind of thing. <laughs> that is for me the most important driver. It takes out speed, but it also makes you more risk adverse because there's always a risk and but the question is, does it materialize that risk? And if it materializes, what is the, the actual impact? What is the outcome? And that's, that's a discussion. Just yesterday, sitting in the exact same chair that I'm sitting in now, I had that talk with, with our country head in France, where some um, data protection regulation has changed and so on. And we were, and, and he, he was talking to a lawyer, and, and, and that lawyer picked made a picture of all, oh, everything's difficult and said, let's go one level deeper. Let's understand what really is required. Let's also understand what the, what the fines are, what kind of, what, what would happen if we violate certain, certain framework on the legal side. This is something you need to discuss. And, and this is something you decide every day in a later stage, like we are now, but it starts on day one that you must be fine with also taking legal risks because maybe what you're doing has never been done before and there is no 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 case being made around your your idea and then you just have to take that risk and 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 that starts early on in earlier stages of your career i remember when i was working as an intern yeah as a, at a big consulting firm we had similar questions uh, when we were designing a new business model or a new product for a large insurance company. And there were also degrees of kind of how far we go in checking all the legal requirements and whatever. And I was as an intern pushing for what I would do, what I would recommend our, our client to do is just go ahead and, and uh, try and adapt while he's going instead of uh, another phase of 
six months of preparation just to get some more details clarified and so on. And we had a discussion on that, I remember, in the team because more senior full-time consultants were, yeah, but no, this could be analyzed. <laughs> yes, it could be, but you also would lose time. Right. In the end, the partner on that project and I, we agreed, yeah, let's recommend to our client to move ahead and just to, just to execute it, this concept, and then learn while you go. And I was 21 at that age and had the kind of same mentality. Hey, we should not wait and do more analysis. Let's rather take a risk. I remember it in, in university. I actually failed my last exam, but I needed it because it didn't have the credit points <laughs> otherwise. Yeah? So the retake of that exam was super crucial because otherwise I would not have graduated. Yeah, uh, because I didn't plan a buffer. I didn't take more credits than I needed because there are a lot of other things next to uh, university that, that I learned a lot in and that were important for me. So it was one point. Push, pushing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but I think that's interesting because like, I assume that these situations, especially if like like this internship thing or with your like, with this one exam, like that's probably like memorable situations where you realize, hey, I took a risk and ultimately materialized because hey, I got maybe the, the the approval or the confirmation from a senior partner who's way more experienced, like kind of like, okay, it's it's approval. That I'm kind of thinking in the right way or with the exam then ultimately kind of working out. So these are probably all the situations that you initially talked about where you say, taking this step and then getting the positive confirmation is ultimately reinforcing that sort of behavior. Yes, absolutely. And other and otherwise, you end up in a let's say if if you don't do it, you have this analysis paralysis where you just like sit there, don't move because there might be a tiny detail that you might have overlooked, which you might not even be aware of. And then, let's say being hyper aware of everything might also hamper like progress in that sense. Absolutely. Now, if you want to establish such a mindset in an organization. I think it's 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 crucial to start with yourself probably, but then how do you make sure that your employees who are maybe not thinking the same way as you did back then in the internship, uh, so we're talking about the consultants who are a bit more, let's say, risk averse, how do you con convince these people, or not convince is maybe the wrong word, but how do you, let's say, gradually instill such a mindset of risk taking so that over time you can develop your organization into a more risk risky and let's say confident organization that is able to move faster. I think it starts even one step before we need to hire the right people. You need to have people in your team that already have that mentality or never developed a different one. When we started, we had in our team quite a few very young talents right out of university, just graduated, most of them from WHO. And they had never been in environments that made them too much focused on analysis and then being paralyzed by it. Uh, they were just kind of very open-minded and very action and impact-oriented. They just were executors and had not been trained by corporate whatever contexts 
that you should do an analysis. They didn't even have the the the, the intuition to do that. So they just went straight into execution mode. So, and that was good. And because they were the first people next to us as founders, they were shaping the culture of the company. And we were together selecting more people that were not asking for, oh, is that proven? Uh, how much evidence can you give me? Everybody who joined in the early days was aware, well, there is still some risk involved in, in everything that we do. This is not proven. We are a very, very small player in a very large industry. We are around for oh, whatever, six, nine, 12, 18 months. This is not proven. There is risk and there will be risk in everything that we do and we need to take risks. And I also take the, this notion of, of risking is one of my favorite topics. So happy that we start uh, this talk here with that topic. I make it a topic in the organization as well. We talk about that. We have a set of values, guiding principles. These are eight out of them. Quite a few focus on the customer and how we want to be customer centric. And the rest is more or less focusing on how we take risks, how we make decisions, how also, it, it, and it goes further. It goes into the, the domain of communication, yeah? being quick and direct, not, no sugar coating no dancing around and, and not getting to the point yeah? because also then you're you're losing focus you're losing speed you're losing goal orientation which is kind of connected to there if, if you're constantly analyzing and never execute it also yeah, makes you not goal oriented you lose yourself in in process relations and so it's, it's kind of all connected. And then it really becomes a, a flywheel. If you have that right, you have the right people. Everybody is fine with taking risky decisions. You're fast, you talk openly, you go to the point, you're action-oriented, you're implementation-oriented. Then you do implement from the implementation. You learn from the mistakes you make, you learn even more. That just propels itself. Exactly. Are you enjoying this episode so far? Do you know someone who might enjoy listening to this episode as well? Simply click on share to send it. Now back to the episode. Yeah. And so let's say you have an organization in which either you as a founder, maybe you have a co-founder who is a bit more risk-seeking, but let's say you're a bit more reserved or you're in a larger corporate context where you say, hey, if I honestly assess the organization, there is not much risk taking here. Would you, like you, you mentioned three points. The one is hiring, the other is uh, the values, and the third one is communication. Which of those three do you think is then, let's say, maybe the, the crucial lever to start this transformation internally? Uh, is it that you hire other people and that then you can take it from there? Or do you start with, let's say, changing a bit the way you communicate, more direct, direct feedback, and so on and so forth? What would you recommend? I mean, if you're in a situation that you want to change, yeah, then I would be focused on getting results fast and with hiring people and kind of doing changes in your team, that can take some time. So therefore, I would start with communication and, and, and the values. I would communicate the values and then live it every day and be a, be a role model for what you expect. I, I have a recent example. I became chairman of the Alumni Association of, of in, 
of, of VAO in Praxi. And we have a great team there, uh, five employees full-time organizing all the activities. Yeah, so they are employees of the association and they es essentially organize most of the activities. And I could see how we moved this team into a very agile, very dynamic, action-oriented, impact-oriented team, not asking many questions, not doing tons of iterations and getting approvals for stuff. The exact same team that we had two years ago. It is just a different type of guidance, different type of, of mentality that I keep on repeating how we want to work together as a team, how we want to work in that office. And the output of that exact same team, same, same team size, in my view, has at least doubled. So the efficiency has doubled. Same input cost, twice the output. Because everything just became much faster, much more execution-oriented. And yes, sometimes we... I don't, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't know of any mistake that we made, but of course there probably was some risk involved, but it didn't materialize. And that is for me a very good, very recent example. What you do with an existing team, no real change, just by focusing on certain values and over communicating them. And I, th and I think the over-communication part is probably crucial because like the, there's this famous saying, which bro, which says, if you haven't like if basically you're not sick and tired of repeating the same message over and over again chances are you haven't communicated enough i haven't heard about that yet but uh, i fully agree <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because essentially there's also this notion right like to challenge it a bit because that you say values ultimately should come a bit let's say bottom up as well and if you say we just kind of change values, you risk often having, let's say, values that are just there on paper, but ultimately that are not really being lived. So I think there is really crucial what you said before, that unless you as a, you act as a role model to implement those and to, to live by the example of those new values, Otherwise, it's going to be really hard because you just, I mean, every organization can say, okay, we're risk-seeking, we're confident, we're like going out there, we disrupt the status quo and so on. And then everyone internally is just sitting there and saying, I'm not going to move, like I'm comfortable where I am. Yes. And so this is probably also like a tension field where it's re it really takes some, probably like, especially it's, it's related to leadership and communication, right? Absolutely. And when you then start to, so let's say you, you, you kind of like realized, Hey, I want to become more confident. I want to make more risk taking in the organization. You, you kind of define those values around it and you start communicating it as a leader. Then you say the next steps to ultimately hire also more confident people that then supplement the, the existing team and maybe also bring in a different dynamic. What would you like? How do you ultimately, in an interview, look for confidence or risk taking? How do you select these people? Because I mean, I can pretend that I'm like super open minded, but then ultimately behind the door, I'm like, well, no, please, please don't put me in a, in a situation right where where I feel comfortable, uh, uncomfortable. Yeah, I think one very important element of element of it is our references. Because indeed, as you say, in an interview situation, that could be, it, it's, it's a little bit tricky. Um, to, but, but let's get to that in a second. But again, 
I would start with getting references. And it's, it's funny, just yesterday evening, I had a quick reference call with another founder from, from Berlin on a candidate that I have an interview with today, because I realized he was working a few years ago in, in, in one of his companies that he had founded. And obviously our, our recruiting didn't know that, that we know each other. So I just sent him a brief WhatsApp and we, we had that brief five minute talk yesterday even. Uh, and he was very open and exactly described, yeah, that, that, that individual is great. He knows what he's doing, but he tends to be kind of, he shies away from taking decisions. He always wants, wants to get kind of approval, he is very, very consensus oriented. He never makes a, a judgment call. He never says, okay, he, he kind of analyzes a lot. That's why it didn't work out well with us. That, that other founder is we were kind of similar. Uh, that was a very insightful five minutes because they worked together for one and a half years. And maybe in a more corporate context, this is exactly what is expected from you. Uh, but in a, in a dynamic context, like a startup and even us with now 10 years being on the market, we are still aggressive and need to reinvent the wheel constantly because everybody else in the market is constantly copying us and so on. So we need to be constantly innovative. And so we need people who are biased to action. And so that was very well. I have the call later with him today. So let's see, because indeed in an interview, you also can find out certain certain attitudes, certain values, just by asking, for example, I'm not sure what I should tell that here because that's one of my typical questions. Give me an example of risk-taking where you took in your, in your perception a risk. And then it's funny to hear, or it's, it's very revealing and interesting to hear what people perceive as risk. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> yeah. and then that's often a starting point to talk about what actually is a risk for that candidate and then you get deeper into it and then you also get a good understanding of what that person is, is, is kind of where that individual stands of course you're right yeah people can also play a role and not be honest because they kind of have listened to that podcast here and they know what i want to hear uh, and so but in the end, you will also not be happy. You will also not be successful because if an organization works in a certain way and you're completely different, well, you might get the job, but in daily, in daily life, you will not be happy. Your colleagues will not be happy. And then, it, and, and the outcomes will not be what the company expects. So ultimately you will not be successful. You will not be happy. And then, so you should always be honest. You should not pretend to be someone who you're not. And, and because I'm not judging, I'm not saying that people who are more risk averse, who whatever, are worse, or that taking risks or being action oriented is better. I think it depends also on the on the situation that you're in. If you're my private example, there was if you're running a nuclear power plant. You don't want any any innovation. You don't want any experiments. You don't want any risk because every wrong button that you push could lead to massive consequences. While if you're 
the innovator in an old-fashioned industry, that's where we are. It's very traditional, very reputed, very quality-oriented, but at the same time, very conservative industry that we're working on here in, in, in audiology. If you are the innovator in such an industry, well, your role is different. And as I said, people copy what we do. So we need to constantly innovate and bring out new innovation. Customers are changing. People who are 65 today are very different from people who were 65 10 years ago. They are even more technology savvy. They're even faster. They are even more focused towards action because they, they are super active still. And that, that also means we need to change. We need to adapt to our target group. And that means we need to constantly reinvent ourselves too uh, for various reasons. And that means we need to constantly innovate. And innovation is, again, connected to taking a risk. And it is, and in the end, we need to deliver. Yeah, we want to find customers, make them happy. We want to generate revenue. So it must be implemented. We must get our power on the street. And it must, must convert into results. So ultimately, just to, just to sum it up a bit. So ultimately, when once you want to establish this like risk-taking confidence culture in your organization, you start ultimately by communicating it very strongly. You you also slightly adapt the values, and then once you've let's say as a role model somewhat got got the ball rolling, you then also can in, in addition start hiring additional let's say more confident or receiving people that then propel it forward and then it becomes, let's say, a, a virtuous cycle. To finish it up, what is one tip that you would give founders and corporate innovation leaders who seek to build outstanding digital products or innovations? What, would, what kind of tip would you give them? I think there, there are two dimensions. The one is a topic that we haven't touched too much yet, but that is also equally important is the there is no silver bullet for most success it is daily daily small steps one after the other there is no in my view no such thing as the kind of, oh we found the world formula and now everything is soft and everything is great and no issues no challenges whatsoever anymore no it's a daily grind every day you make small steps now you sometimes need to helicopter out and see actually how much progress you've made how much I see it in, in marketing. It's, it's, we constantly iterate, we try and try new campaigns, new, new stories, new kind of eye catchers. Many of them don't work. Many of them do work, but it's, it's constant iteration and it's small steps. And then if you helicopter out and look where we are now compared to where we were, let's say a year ago, then you can see the progress on a daily basis you don't realize it because it's so it's so incremental. But if you make 250 working days a year or whatever, progress every day a little bit, and then over time, you you make absolute progress. So you must be prepared for long phases of, of iterations of constant small improvements. We are running Audibena now for over 10 years. It's a marathon, it's not a sprint. And that requires a lot of 
persistence yeah, on the on for the founders, but even for the team. Sometimes, and, and I'm not sure whether it's a question of age. Now, sometimes I have the impression that the younger people are, the more impatient they are, the, the, the more they have the expectation that within two or three years, everything must be there and then you're on to the next game. So, no, it's a marathon. And you should also not think it's a sprint because then you also, because you need to also manage your, your power. That's also an important topic. You need to take time off. You need to make sure that you take your weekends, uh, that in the evening at some point you stop working. I, I, I switch off my emails in the evening yeah, because otherwise the global operations, there would always be something popping up and I could never kind of switch off my brain, which is super important to do if you're doing this for 10 years and want to do it for a couple of years still to come. Yeah, So that is important. So it's, it's, a, it's a long run. Topic mental health. <laughs> yeah. And then it is about true innovation. You, you mentioned yeah, what, what is my recommendation to people who want to build digital products. Yeah? must really find a point where there is a need that you are solving, where there is an issue that you are fixing. Sometimes I have the idea that many, many ideas that are developed make sense from the inventor's point of view. But the question is, how many people actually suffer from that underlying issue and how much is that solution really helping on that issue? So is it an issue at all? And is, it, is that solution actually helping on it? That would, is for me a very important question. Uh, even if I look internally here at, at, at new ideas that come up, always the question, how much does it really change for the customer? Or is it just something that's nice to have? I talked to our CTO yesterday, yeah, so because I want to make sure that we really constantly apply this logic to everything that we develop, even on a tech base, that every, every piece of technology that our tech team develops is directly connected to tangible benefit for customers. Otherwise, we shouldn't invest time and resources in it. And tech people sometimes have the tendency to build something because it's a nice piece of technology. There is no room for that. There is no time for that. There is no budget for that. We need to focus on things that really change customers' lives. In our view, we also have our partner, audiologists, but they are also customers. That's our guiding principles. Um, so that's it. Yeah, not kind of building nice things that people just like to build because it's it looks nice. Awesome. That's I, I totally agree with that. I think like it's so crucial to, to start with the customer in mind. Thank you, Marco. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. And I learned a lot about when it comes to boosting personal confidence, boosting team confidence, the risk taking. And yeah, thanks again for joining. It's been an absolute pleasure and hope to see you soon. You're welcome. Pleasure was mine. <laughs> Thank you.